welcome to the Stevenson Bolton People podcast. I'm Frances Rollin and I'm here with Sarah Taylor, Senior Knowledge Lawyer in our employment team. Welcome, Sarah. Hello, Frances. Thank you for inviting me. We're going to talk for around 10 minutes about the retained EU law Revocation and Reform Act 2023 that received royal assent on the 29th of June. A friend said to me yesterday, why are you doing a podcast about Brexit? Surely Brexit is already done, isn't it? Well, although the big headline-grabbing sunset provisions are no longer in play, there are still significant implications for employment law of this new Brexit Act. Sarah, I know this new Act is very technical, but can you give me a quick summary of the key implications? Yes, of course. But it's very interesting what your friend said, Frances, because I believe her approach is quite typical of the general population. However, this new Act is possibly one of the most fundamental pieces of legislation to land in our lifetimes, and yet it seems to be going under most people's radar. Personally, I think there's been a mistaken focus on the reversal of the original sunset clause. And now that the impact of this one aspect of the legislation has been watered down, rightly so in my opinion, many people believe that the overall impact of the Act is now limited, and that certainly isn't the case. So just by way of recap, the initial drafting of the bill included provision for the default revocation of the majority of retained EU legislation at the end of this year, unless um, positive steps were taken to retain or reform the legislation. Through the parliamentary process, this provision was reversed and now only legislation specified expressly in a schedule to the Act will be revoked at the end of the year. So that list of revoked legislation, are any of those relevant for employment law? Not really. There's some minor aspects um, that have employment implications, but the vast, vast majority of EU-derived employment legislation will remain in law after the end of this year. So, Francis, you asked for the key implications of the new Act. We've discussed the limited revocation of um, EU-derived legislation. The four other key implications are, firstly, the supremacy of retained EU law ends at the end of this year. So following the end of the implementation period, um, retained EU law was given a special status in domestic law and in effect trumped conflicting domestic law. This special status is going to be removed at the end of the year. Secondly, it's going to be far easier for Parliament to amend certain EU-derived legislation, where previously there was a far more detailed parliamentary scrutiny um, procedure. Thirdly, the Supreme Court and Court of Appeal are going to be encouraged to use their existing powers to depart from retained EU case law where they consider it's appropriate. And lastly, there's this new referral mechanism, which will enable lower courts and tribunals to refer points of law up to the Supreme Court or Court of Appeal. So in effect, leapfrogging up points of law for the higher courts to decide. Sounds a little bit like uh, the referrals that used to be made to the ECJ on points of law. Yes, that's a a very good way of looking at it, Francis. So those are the sort of... um, the summary of the key implications, but what about the practical implications for changes to employment law? Yes, and this is what will be of most interest to our listeners. 
course. Um, so we might see legislative change um, through the parliamentary system, especially given the more straightforward process going forward. Um, we also might see the courts um, departing from retained EU case law. And now with the referral mechanism, we may see um, tribunals and lower courts referring points of EU-derived employment law up to the Supreme Court or the Court of Appeal. What type um, of cases do you think are ripe for referral um, up to the Supreme Court and Court of Appeal? So I would imagine we'll see referrals around the calculation of holiday pay the circumstances in which holiday is permitted to be carried over from one holiday year to the next, possibly what counts as working time for the purposes of working time regulations, maybe around thresholds for um, the trigger of collective redundancy consultation. We may see referrals around um, aspects of TUPI, um, in particular, service provision changes, which arguably go above and beyond um, EU um, requirements in any event. Um, employers should be ready for the potential of a rush of cases over the next few, few months. So if workers and employees um, get wind of legislative or, or um, other legal changes on the horizon, they may want to get in there first with their, their claims under the existing law, for example, around calculation of holiday pay. Now, we know that the government has a modest appetite itself for some changes based on the government consultations that have recently closed. Just to run through very briefly what those were about, um, they broadly focused on the working time regulations, holiday pay, and also TUPI. So in relation to the working time regulations, there was consultation about removing the requirements on employers to keep a record of working hours. Certainly in my experience, I think not many employers were actually doing that in the first place. So this is perhaps not um, a particularly useful change. In relation to holiday pay, they're proposing to introduce the right to legally use rolled up holiday pay. That is something that will be uh, welcomed by employers if that does come in, uh, particularly those that are uh, have a, plenty of casual workers. There's also consultation about merging the two separate holiday entitlements into one pot of statutory annual leave. So you may know that in the UK, we have 20 EU-based holiday days and eight UK-derived days. And the consultation was talking about putting those into one pot of 28 days. Finally, on the TUPI um, aspect, it's another fairly minor point there the consultation was about removing the requirement to consult elected representatives on TUPI transfers where the employer has fewer than 50 employees and the transfer affects less than 10 employees. In those circumstances, the proposal is that consultation would be with the employees directly. So none of these are groundbreaking points, but do you think we may see these changes coming into effect? Yes, you're right to say that these changes are relatively modest, Francis. And yes, yeah, certainly not the case that the government intends to be um, ripping up um, employment law books anytime soon. And um, that said, um, it is likely that we will see these changes pushed 
through the legislative system um, fairly swiftly, given the impending general election. Um, we could see um, these changes implemented into law before the end of this year. Do you think there'll be much appetite in the courts and tribunals to use the referral mechanism we've been talking about? I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, I can imagine some parties may seek to may seek referrals for tactical reasons. Um, so to incur further cost and delay for the other party to incentivize settlement, potentially. It's also likely to be employers that will want to relitigate points of law decided when EU law rules supreme. And that's because most EU-derived employment law can be said to be more employee and worker friendly. Um, it's important to note that um, for a point of law to be referred under this new process, it must relate to um, a point of general public importance. That said, most of the areas of change that we've discussed, so for example, around holidays and working time, would, in my view, be deemed to be of general public importance. It seems likely to me that we're not going to see any of these cases coming through anytime soon. We know that the tribunal system is already overburdened. There's delays and backlogs. If the tribunal is going to get bogged down with these kind of preliminary points as well, um, it's potentially going to slow the process even further. Yes, um, exactly. And also the new regime will only apply to facts and circumstances that arise after 2023. So it's also going to take some time for these cases to work through the system in any event. Just one final point, Sarah. I've heard some expert commentary saying that lower courts and tribunals may be able to say that cases based on EU law are no longer good law without making a formal reference to the higher courts. Do you think that this is likely? So there's a very technical argument that once the supremacy of EU law ends and general principles of EU law are abolished, some tribunals and lower courts may feel empowered to depart from established case law where they otherwise would not have. So for example, case law around the carryover of holiday pay. I guess much will depend on the appetite of the tribunal and lower courts to do so. And of course, the strength of the legal argument. Yeah, of course. It's, it's probably fair to say, though, that the tribunal process is largely conservative. And if there is a referral mechanism in place, it seems likely to me that they will follow that referral mechanism rather than decide the point themselves. Yes, indeed. Although we may see some brave maverick tribunals um, seeking to create law off their own bat. So potentially interesting times ahead. Thanks, Sarah, so much. That was an interesting discussion. That's the end of our podcast for today. Do join us again soon for the next SMB People podcast, where we're going to be talking about the employment implications of chat GPT. 